G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann. And today I'm really excited to be taking you deep inside the Perth property market with one of my quarterly updates. And it's going to be an extremely hot winter ahead for the Perth market. Boy, the market's hot out there for both the sale and the rental side. And we'll be taking you into both as well as my predictions for what's ahead. We're going to be taking a deeper dive and analysis of the state and national budgets. We're looking into the economy. We're looking into all the drivers and things that are pushing up our market and leading to such a hot conditions that we face. And we've got a lot to cover today. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management, sales and buyers agency servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here's your host, Jared Mann. Now, let's launch straight into the Perth sale market. Boy, oh boy, I've never sold in such a hot market. In my 15 years of being a real estate agent, I've never seen things this hot. At the moment, I'm putting properties on the market, receiving multiple offers. In most cases, before the first weekend, we're getting prices typically well above where last you know record prices have, have been, which is great for our sellers, but there's still lots of value there for buyers, which is why people are prepared to pay the extra at the moment when the rental yields are still so good. This has seen our number for sale drift down to an all-time low at just 5,968. Wow. And that's a 29.2% decrease since the same time last year in our number of properties for sale. So boy, it's tight out there. And part of the reason for this tightness as I've gone deeper into speaking with sellers is that a lot of sellers holding off at the moment from selling. Why? Because they can't find another property to buy and upgrade to because there's so little supply and they can't make a subject to sale offer because it's so competitive out there. They can't make their offer subject to sale of their house because they're up against, you know, four or five other buyers that might have a clean offer. And the problem is they can't sell their house and go and rent easily because this rental market's so tight. They could sell their house and be without a home and not find a rental. So a lot of them are just staying put. And that is what is keeping our market super tight and the number of properties for sale so low. And it's a lot of the sellers at the moment are investors that have wanted to sell for a long time. And that's why I'm I'm so busy and I'm keeping getting them their record prices to move on and get out of properties that they've wanted to sell for the last five years or so. It's a great way to be finishing things up and, and taking the next step with as much you know great price possible. When we then look at the number of getting sold each week, that's maintained really high. We're at 943 sales. We've been dancing at that sort of 900 to 950 per week number, which is why the supply is also getting dwindled down because the, the 
level of purchasing is remaining super high and that's a 12% increase on the same time last year. So that then leads to the inventory being at a massive low level of 1.58 months of inventory. So at the current rate of purchases, based on how little supply we have, there's only one and a half months of available supply and all properties would then be sold. And that's 37% decrease down on the same time last year. So super tight market, super hot winter ahead. Now, what's been happening to the median house price? Well, you'd think with how hot the market is and you'd think with the price jumps I'm seeing at the median sort of price where I sell most houses, that a greater reflection would be getting seen in the median house price. But it really hasn't changed that much. We're still at 550000 I don't know how this median gets calculated, but it's not showing up. And uh, even when the higher end was growing and going the strongest previously, the median house price wasn't changing by much either. So it's quite perplexing. All I can think of that is keeping this price down at the median level is that people are chasing more and more value are drifting more and more towards the lower prices. And when the median is just a measure of half the homes are selling above that price, half the homes are selling below that price, it's that median point. So all I can think of is people are chasing value and that's reflecting and showing keeping the median house price artificially lower than what's actually happening to the individual prices at a suburb and property level. So don't be fooled by what's happening at the median. There is a lot of growth that's happening at this price point. And it's gapping up as much as 10% sometimes in a single sale. Median and unit price is at 400k and it's slightly lower than the same time last year, marginally lower. And again, this could be because buyers are chasing value. There has been a lot more activity in the unit market. Things are looking a lot better. We can certainly more readily sell apartments now that are in Rivervale, East Perth, West Perth, Perth, CBD. So a lot of investors that have held onto them are starting to cash out of those. Not a super hot market, but it's warming up. So a lot of migrants prefer the higher density living. A lot of people that are affordability driven, you can still, you know, get a unit for a very good price here in Perth, 400k, go around the rest of Australia and try and spend that and you getting a shoebox, getting something decent a year still for that sort of money. And then the land price, median price of land's relatively unchanged. There's been very low sale volumes of land and people are still put off building and, and or developing. So I expect that's just going to keep drifting until such time that that becomes more attractive to build again. Now, median selling days, this tells the picture. We're down to the lowest median selling days that I've ever seen in keeping my data. 12 days. It's hardly surprising when we look at the situation that we've got for supply and demand. And I'd believe it because everything I'm selling is typically first week, taking a couple of weeks if we need to find the right buyer, but a very hot market. 12 days shows that. Now let's go into the rental market, shall we? The number for rent is at a very low level still. No surprises there if you've been following my updates for a while or following the news when you switch it on at night. We are in a rental crisis and I um, did have, uh, went attended a lunch with about 20 business owners, caught up with one of the reserve board members and I quizzed them as to how is this rental crisis going to get solved? I laid out the various problems with uh and people not wanting to build houses, uh, land supply not readily being uh, possible, 
and all these migrants and population increase and their answer was that they don't see any solutions on the on the horizon and it's going to unfortunately mean a lot more pain for people before it gets better so number for rent only 2074 properties across perth available at the moment and that's a 21.2 percent decrease since the same time last year and we've only got 15 properties for rent when we would typically have 40 on properties for rent at any one time so vacancy leading into that is still low at 0.5 of a percent our vacancy rate is zero percent at the moment so nothing is vacant <laughs> and we rent everything well and truly before we would get to the property being vacant these days and that vacancy rate is 54 percent down on the same time last year so again a super tight market with very few properties actually going vacant and what that is causing on the price side is we've seen the sharpest increases that we've seen in a long while. It's increased faster once it started increasing in September 2020. It's increased far faster than it decreased across the previous sort of three, four years that we had the decrease. It then sat flat for another three years, two to three years. And we've seen very sharp increases over the last two years. So we're well above our previous high that we got to. And the previous high was 470 per week. We're now at 570 per week. And it's an 18.8% increase on the same time last year. Average rent of our portfolio of the 950 odd properties we manage is $491. And we've always followed the median very closely. So it takes time to increase the rents as leases come up and I'm expecting our portfolio to follow the median for the whole of Perth up to around this 570 per week number. And as I'll tell you later in the this episode, my predictions for where I think the rents will go, so stay tuned for that. Now, rental inventory, how many months of available properties have we got at the current rate for being leased? We're at 0.88 months, so less than a month, super tight, and it's a 28% decrease since the same time last year. I didn't update that slide, but it should say May 2022. Now let's take a look at the property clock. Heron Todd White is still labelling Perth as approaching peak of market. Again, I don't always strictly agree with where that's at. I'd put us probably more in an overall rising market. I think we've got at least one or two years to go. And if we do hit peak of market, I think we're going to flow around a lot quicker. This time, our cycle will move around a lot quicker. And we've seen Sydney and Melbourne with their early signs of moving around to their starting recovery phase. So I'd probably put Sydney more around at bottom of market and starting recovery. That's moved through its cycles much quicker. I think Perth's going to do the same when it does come off the boil a bit, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Units, similar case, Serenta White put us at approaching peak of market and the unit market I think is actually, it's always trailed the housing market by 12 to 18 months. I think that is more around in this starting of recovery phase, just moving into rising market. So the unit market is getting a lot of extra activity, but there's a lot of people that have wanted to sell for a while. So that supply that's pent up needs to you know flow through the system and then we'll start seeing more pressure on the prices but with certainly some increase in prices in most of the unit markets now now core logics index let's take a look at what it's showing for perth and how it compares to the other major capitals so 
in the last three months, we're showing a 1% increase in the last three months on, in the CoreLogic Index for our dwelling prices here in Perth. Sydney's shown a 3% increase. That's why I'm saying that Sydney's, I think, bottomed and is starting to recover and turn around in price. All the other capitals have had marginal, very marginal increases or decreases. Hobart, Darwin and Canberra are decreasing quite strongly still. Melbourne, relatively unchanged. Brisbane, relatively unchanged. And Adelaide, relatively unchanged. Those markets do seem to be flatlining. When we look at the 12-month change, we can see that Perth has supposedly only had a 1.3% change in its uh, dwelling value, which, you know, I just don't know how these indexes are always formed. And as an investor, you can't place really much importance on them at the top level. They just give you, okay, a bit of a guide as to how the index has gone. But pretty much any property in Perth that I've looked at over the last year has had a 10 to 20% increase, some even more. So... I don't understand how this can only show 1.3%. And when we look at some of the other capitals, it's showing Brisbane down 9.8%, Melbourne down 8.9%, Sydney down 10.7%. I'm sure if you go and look in those places, there'd be extremes on that that have dropped more than that. There'll be some that have held tight. And just an interesting thing to look at, I guess, gives you a sense for what other investors are looking at uh, at top level. But I think you need to go deeper than just the top. Now, when it comes to the quarterly change in the capital cities, this shows that the lower end of the market, the bottom 25% of prices, has increased by 1.7% over the three months to April. That's had the largest increase in Perth. Median, middle, sort of 50% percentile range, middle prices have had a 1.4% increase, and the upper end has had a 0.4% increase. And so it shows that the lower end market is where things are hottest now. It's the, the short summary on what that's telling us. And similarly, when we look around at some of the other capitals, Sydney's upper end is leading its recovery. And this is the pattern we always see. It starts with the upper end, the cycle moves through to the middle, and then the, the tail end wags and has the growth at the end. So Sydney's now recovering with its upper end first. Capital city rental yields. How does Perth compare? Well, we're at a 4.9% rental yield, which is the second strongest in the country other than Darwin. And it's the big reason that heaps and heaps of investors are looking and buying here each week. It just makes so much sense when interest rates are going up, they'll likely stabilise and start coming down. We'll go into that in a bit more in a minute. And you're still going to be left with a great rental yield. Rents are still increasing here as well. So, you know, there's a lot of money chasing this rental yield at the moment, 4.9% compared to, and I think the reality is when you look in Sydney and Melbourne, when it's saying here 3.2, 3.4, it's likely to still going to be challenged getting that. In Perth, you can get a 5% rental yield pretty easy. You know, 6 to 7% is not unheard of either. So when it comes to looking at the drivers for the Perth market and what I like to do is check in on our economic clock for Australia because how it all pieces together affects sentiment, affects the sort of demand that we have, affects our supply that we have. And I would put us around at a somewhere between six and seven o'clock on the economic clock, that is. So we've had falling real estate values for Sydney and Melbourne. We're now moving around to soon falling interest rates once we go through the next part of this finance cycle and then we'll start the 
more recovery and you know boom for when we get easier money and rising commodity prices um rising real estate values again and i think perth's just going to continue you know sort of unaffected so much by these higher interest rates we're just bucking the trend and steady as she goes so what's been happening when it comes to the rba's cash rate we're now at 3.85 percent cash rate if you're watching the video you can look back and see that that's still relatively very low compared to the last few decades cash rate's been so much higher previously we did have rises in february march and may of a 0.25 have we hit the peak yet when we look at the interbank cash rate futures on the australian stock exchange the market is thinking that we've got a bit more of an increase to go they're looking at thinking we'll end up at around a four percent cash rate so they're sort of thinking around a 0.15 percent increase we might see still they're thinking we're going to start decreasing rates around december november december this year so interesting how that'll come to pass have the rba increase rates too much already it takes time for the impacts to show up they might just be wanting to make sure that they've you know done enough they got accused of not doing enough soon enough previously so more likely they're going to overcook it and then have to start decreasing rates by more sooner i think there's a lot of pain to be felt in sydney and melbourne where the loan rates and amounts are so much higher whereas opposed to perth here you know, our prices are still very affordable um, still possible for first-time buyers to get in and and be able to afford it now what else have we got to say when it comes to lending well when we look at homeowner lending by state for march wa has continued to drift down in its homeowner lending as an overall amount the other states are showing other capitals are showing a bounce back in the last sort of few months we're showing a minor bounce back but still a gradual downward trend when we check out investor lending we've been continuing to trend roughly sideways as well so no major increase yet from investors so that's why our rental crisis isn't really going to be solved not anytime soon because we don't have the supply of houses first of all for investors to buy and the there's more investors selling than there are buying and there's no major increase in the level of investors yet and most of the investors that we're seeing are all from over east at the moment there's very few locals just seems that locals are always late to the party i don't know why maybe there's not enough of them listening to this podcast <laughs> share it with them and tell them to get in now before there's not as much upside ahead plenty of upside still when it comes to first home buyer lending that's been a continual drift down for perth most of them got in around the building grant stage and, and it's been continually decreasing since in some of the other capitals there's been a bounce back in sydney and queensland and uh, victoria so they look like they might have turned the corner and first home buyers are coming back in now now let's check in on inflation because boy hasn't it been the hot topic that everyone's keeping an eye on waiting for the you know cpi to turn and finally it looks like it has it looks like it peaked at 7.8 percent we're now at seven percent Hopefully, we will continue this reversal and have no further need for interest rate rises. And from what I hear from building trades, from export importers and exporters, that it's now supply chains are a lot more 
freed up from groceries and these other things are capping out now because with no further price increases, supply of materials and other things are stabilizing. So hopefully we can get to back to a bit of business as usual and start to not see such large increases in these things. Hopefully we've seen the worst of it and the worst is behind us. Now, on the inflation side, I'm glad that we live in Perth because our inflation CPI, Consumer Price Index, has been the lowest of all the states and territories, which is great. They're also forecasting a decrease to 3.5% for the June 2024 quarter. So that's not that far away. They're expecting that we're going to be down to sort of more manageable and normal levels by, you know, not even a year's time. So watch this space, but that's encouraging that the, we've got one of the lowest inflation levels and it's predicted to get back in manageable levels by over the next year. Now, what's happening on the stock market? And, and over the last year, there's been a bit of a roller coaster ride up and down, but we're ending when I compare on a year ago, it's only down 1%, so relatively unchanged. And that's why people are chasing returns in other areas like property because the stock market's certainly not going to be setting the world on fire. There's still a lot of uncertainty coming out of the US and with the raising of the debt ceiling that is probably overshadowing things at the moment and causing these shorter-term decreases. But again, that's why people are keeping their money in property and not as certainly not bullish on the stock market at the moment. Now let's take a look at the highlights of the WA economy and these are relatively unchanged since I last checked in on a quarter ago. Everything's looking super good still. Our average weekly earnings are the highest of all states at $1,492 per week. We have a very low unemployment rate at 3.6% still. Now when I was uh, attending this lunch with the RBA board member, it really helped me see that this is a bit of an unhealthy rate of unemployment. It's very hard for businesses to grow, to get staff, to be able to expand. And we really need the unemployment rate with the four in front of it, at least at four to four and a half percent, even though that will mean more people unemployed, it's going to actually enable the economy to function more normally and businesses to be able to grow, to be able to get their staff, to be able to deliver on the promises and the work that they've got. And so while it's a fantastic time for anyone to get a job here in Perth, it's also very hard for businesses and constraining growth. So I hadn't seen that other side of the unemployment coin until he explained it. We've got one of the highest participation rates of all the states. So that's great. 68.8%. That shows that a lot of people are in work if they want to be. And all the other numbers are looking very good. When it comes to our economic forecasts, they've updated them at the most recent budget. They're expecting the unemployment rate to get to 4% over this next financial year. So back at a more healthy level and to stay at 4.25, 4 to 4.5 over the coming two to three years. They're expecting healthy population increases back at you know very good levels at so 1.8% over the next year and easing to 1.7, 1.6 over the coming years. We're also expecting our gross state product to remain pretty high. So what I took out of this is steady, steady going, and the government is expecting you know, some good sustainable 
economy over the next two to three years, which is giving me a lot of confidence that we're going to have a more sustained growth period this time rather than our all or nothing growth that we've seen in the past. Iron ore price. I like to check in on this because we are very dependent on our iron ore here and it has continued to sort of drift down. We're at $99 a US ton. That's US dollars a ton rather. And I'm not sure how this is going to play out. It's really going to be dependent on are the world economies going to start scaling up their military and growing their military and early signs are that different budgets are being allowed for and economies are starting to spend a lot more but it hasn't obviously flowed through really to the price yet that we're able to charge for iron ore and I something to keep an eye on no expert when it comes to iron ore population growth interesting to check the stats the most recent are up to September 2022 WA has had 50,000 people over that year to September So interesting how we compare to the other states, 114,000 to Queensland, 108 to Victoria, 108,000 to New South Wales, so almost identical growth rates for those. And 50,000 compares quite well as a percentage of growth compared to the others. We've got the second highest growth of all the states as a percent. So the only state that was higher was Queensland. And I imagine a lot of that was also because of people making that change out of the bigger capitals. It's easier for them to migrate and move up the coast, more of that lifestyle retirement sort of space along the Queensland coast with Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast and uh, Brisbane all representing great value compared to New South Wales and Victoria. We're certainly getting a lot of people migrating over here as well. Had Anthony Tran on speaking in our last episode about migration insights so check that out why uh, perth's got such an advantage in that space a very interesting chat we had with anthony so go back and check that one out if you haven't listened already but what this is showing is we had basically 418,000 people come into australia over that year to september 22 which is a massive level and the government is planning very high levels moving forward as well How many of them end up in Perth? Wait and see. But I think because of our relative affordability, we're a real destination of choice. And for the reasons that Anthony went through, we've got really good policies and flexible, more flexibility on our our migration requirements and our being a regional centre. It also helps a lot of extra people qualify to come to Perth over these other capitals that don't have aren't, aren't classified as a regional centre. Population growth, when we look at where that's made up over the last year, we've had a reasonable natural increase still in Perth. We've had quite a large net interstate migration. So the migrants have gone out of Sydney and Victoria into Queensland and WA, out of Northern Territory, out of ACT, and Tasmania is relatively unchanged. Now, let's take a look at the policy changes and impacts, firstly, from the state budget. Now, let's just keep in mind that both the state and federal budget, they're trying to be conservative. They're they're trying to get our deficits that we ran previously while we were trying to get the economy to recover. They're trying to now repay some of these deficits. They're also trying to not stimulate inflation further. And so... The budgets are very conservative. 
they're pretty boring. I'm going to tell you the highlights. I'm not going to spend too much time on them, but there's a few things worth noting. So in our state budget, they're going to continue doing a stamp duty rebate for an off-the-plan purchase where you basically pay no stamp duty up to the value of 650000 if you're buying a, an, an apartment or unit off the plan. I believe it also would apply to a house off the plan, but very few are sold that way. You can buy a 650k property, no stamp duty. It's a massive saving for someone. So it certainly makes new properties off the plan a lot more attractive. This is why a lot of migrants will probably be going this way. They're going to phase down to a 50% stamp duty rebate if the property is more than 750k. So trying to stimulate, I guess, housing being created. Smart move, I guess. They're also, some of their other major spending, they've committed to this Metronet extension that's going to open up a lot of the suburbs between the Morley to Allenbrook line. Um, that's going to be $5.9 billion over the next four years. So important that that's been committed and certainly going to improve the transport and livability of suburbs on that line contribute to overall desirability of living there. The final one that's, I guess, worth a mention is on the housing front, they're spending an extra $750 million on additional spending to boost the housing and land supply and try to address homelessness, which I think is important to, for us to be investing in these areas as a you know community. We're trying to support those in need and, and $450 million is topping up social housing investment funds. So they're trying to deliver an extra 4,000 social houses. So there certainly is a lot of people in need and they're trying to actually expand the number of houses that are available to them. So will they have an impact on the rest of the market? Well, other than adding buyers into the mix, the state government is now a buyer that you might be competing with when it comes to them you know, purchasing houses for their social housing. I see more reasons that you know, we need more supply of houses not across the board, not just for social housing. So hopefully I did announce some other changes back in my February market update. If you want to go back and look at that one where they're opening up various land and fast tracking land supply, but that's only really going to be on the outskirts. Still not that attractive for most locals to buy off the plan, um, even though they're incentivizing it. So where are these all these new houses going to come from? I don't know. The federal budget, they've done some things to increase the Commonwealth rent assistance. So basically the amount that they're contributing towards rent, it's their largest expenditure uh, housing assistance program. So they contribute $5.1 billion in 2020-2021 towards this Commonwealth rent assistance program. They're basically increasing it by 15% in the maximum rate that they'll be paying out. It's not keeping up with rental increases, but it's some increase for these people, a lot of money extra going towards it. Is it going to change the market at all? No. Next thing that they're investing in is the build to rent program. So this is large scale buildings of apartments to rent effectively where they're kept by the developer and operated with a large scale sort of you know renting out of a whole building. They certainly make it a lot more appealing. So their tax rate, they're dropping that to 15% and making it a lot more lucrative for this type of developer to operate this building ongoingly, so halving the tax rate. And it's projected that by the Property Council that this could 
at 150,000 apartments over 10 years. So yes, it could certainly help the supply of rentals, but it's not going to be a quick solution and it's only still going to be a drop in the bucket of what we need from private investors contributing to the rental pool. Final thing that the federal budget's done as it pertains to property is they're expanding the eligibility criteria for recipients of low deposit home loan schemes. So these schemes are in place to help people get into properties sooner, not charging any lender's mortgage insurance with a 5% deposit. And there's a number of different first home guarantees, regional home guarantees, and the family home guarantees that people may apply apply for and qualify for. But they've basically made the conditions and the criteria a lot fairer. So Permanent residents are now eligible where it used to only be citizens. Australians who have owned a home for 10 or more years, will, who haven't owned a home for 10 or more years, it used to be if you'd owned a home at any time in the past, you couldn't qualify for it. You can now if you haven't had one for 10 or more years. And any two Australians are eligible for the scheme. So that now can include, you do not just need to be a couple or a de facto, can include friends or family members. So more people qualifying for the scheme but it's still arguably not enough to change housing affordability it's going to get some more people in but it's still only such a small amount compared to the larger problem of how many people could you know need this now tips to survive and thrive focus on buying quality without any major negatives i don't think that Advice is ever going to change, but I want to repeat it because I've always got new listeners, people in different modes. If you buy quality, think you're not never going to regret that later. And especially wanted to repeat this warning now because when the market is super hot like this, you can feel like you need to trade off some of these major things that don't mean very much now when you can find a tenant easily. When the market turns and the properties are harder to sell and harder to rent, you're going to wish that you didn't have those negatives. And that's why a lot of my clients are selling properties that do have those negatives now when things are up. So be a bit patient. Don't bend your rules. Buy a property that has quality and avoid the major negatives. And take this opportunity to get in now still in Perth before everyone wakes up to Perth being the place to be. We can't go back two years and get in. There's still really great value buying and there's exceptional rental yields on offer. So all the fundamentals still make sense for the next two or three years. And certainly in the next one to two years, what I can see out. Where to buy, get our buyer's info pack. We'll get in touch with us for a strategic plan where we can give you clarity on how best to create wealth and reach your goals. And when it comes to my crystal ball, rents I expect will continue to increase over the next 12 months. I'm expecting a further 10% rise. Just can't see that slowing down. There's there's no extra supply in sight. Immigrants are favouring Perth. It's very attractive with low house prices and unemployment being super attractive. So that's going to continue to keep pressure on both the sale market and the rental market. More investors are continuing to buy attracted to these low prices and high rental yields with good prospects for growth over the next one to two years. We've also got very solid economic fundamentals as we ran through. So I'm expecting at least a 5 to 10% growth for inner and desirable areas and at least 10 to 15% growth for most outer areas. And I'm definitely seeing that. Further help, if you're considering sale, I've had a 
really great year getting people fantastic results get in touch for a complimentary sale appraisal at investorsedge.com.au slash appraisal make sure you join our property investor update to be notified of all our podcasts as well as get exclusive suburb data on your suburbs of choice we keep produce these reports people love them go to investorsedge.com.au slash join and you can get details of our investor support services as well as our strategic planning and help with your, with buying. Go to investorsedge.com.au slash invest. Thanks for joining me today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And if you did get value out of this one, I'd really appreciate you sharing it with your friends, sharing it on the um, investor groups and popping us a review. And I definitely read all of them and appreciate everyone tuning in. Thanks. Just a reminder. The information discussed in this podcast is general in nature. As we don't know your specific situation, you should always seek professional advice before taking any action. For free market reports on your suburb of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorshedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group.